Hi, Love Leaders. It's Dr. Shannon Roberts, your host for the Love Leading Podcast, where we discuss how to create connection in your most important relationship that God designed, bringing health and sometimes healing while deepening intimacy. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. We've been really anticipating this opportunity to get on a live webinar with all those that are interested. You are in the Intimacy for Life Method webinar. Hi, I am Dr. Shannon Roberts, and I'm going to be hosting um, the webinar for today. And so I'm just getting um, everything up and running. I have my beautiful assistant, Carly, that's going to be um, corresponding with you guys in the chat, and I'm allowing for some moments of notification for all the registrants that um, signed up to be a part of this today, and then we're going to be diving in, but if you are out there, let me know that everything is up and running, that you can hear me, and um, that you're here. And um, I'm talking with you and live. Um, drop um, just a hello, maybe where you're watching from. That's always exciting to know who's with us, where they um, connected to, what part of the, um, the United States are you in? So I'd, I'd be excited to hear um, from you in the chat. Chat is live. We'll be corresponding. We'll be dropping links. Um, if a lot of you are just getting on and you were not, oh, I got someone from, hi, Lori, Bushnell, Florida. Welcome. Glad to have you. We, if you have not gotten um, your workbook, we sent that out um, by email yesterday and I think again this morning. Um, but Carly is going to be dropping the link to that workbook in our chat so that you can have access to it because I'm get, those are going to be our talking points for today. Again, I'm Dr. Shannon Roberts. Welcome to the Intimacy for Life Method, um, how you can deepen your connection in your most important relationship. So let me just give you a little background about me. I'm a total stranger probably. Hi, Elizabeth. Um, to uh, a lot of you, um, I have been a licensed mental health counselor practicing for the last 30 years, um, 21 of those being here in the Tampa, Florida area. And my specialty is working with couples because I absolutely adore it. It is my passion. I love to be ushered into a really quiet, personal, confidential space with two people that are in the room saying they're fighting um, for the kind of connection in the relationship that they so desired and are designed for. And being able to be privileged enough to partner with these people on that path and journey is my um, lifelong passion. So that's just a little bit about me. Again, welcome. If you're just now getting um, logged in, um, you are in the Intimacy for Life Method um, webinar. I'm Dr. Shannon Roberts. I'll be hosting with you today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. The link to your workbook is right there in the chat. So let's dive in because I want to be um, of good faith that this is a lot of you are in your working world and probably just pulling away for as much time as you can allow. Hopefully you have your lunch in front of you and you can um, 
killed two birds with one stone, but I'm going to honor your time and your commitment because listen, if you guys signed up for this webinar, it tells me a lot about you, that this is something that is very meaningful for you, that it's that important. And so I want to give you all the information I can in the amount of time that you have, and I'm going to honor that time. So um, just diving in. Okay, so what is intimacy? I mean, if the world says intimacy is about sex, um, is that really? It's kind of a dummy down version. We will use that word as an interchangement for um, not saying sex, um, but really intimacy is so much more. If you break down the word, intimacy it's seen into me or seen into me you see um so what is intimacy it's knowing and being known at every level that includes emotionally it includes mentally it includes for some of us spiritually it includes physically and it includes sexually so it's across the gamut. It's the whole continuum. And we all crave it and desire it. Listen, I have a confession to make. And I hope that you guys find that this is not too weird. Hi, Victoria. Um, but I really love showing up, whether it's a restaurant or whether it's a community gathering or whether it's a party. I like to observe couples. Now, maybe that's just because I am a couples therapist, but I think we all kind of do the same thing. I don't know. We kind of like say, hmm, are they dating? Are they married? Are they on a first date? Are they even, do they even like each other? <laughs> right? And um, we also kind of like, gosh, I can see how they got together. That seems like a really good kind of fit. And then there's a like, wow, I guess there's someone for everybody, right? <laughs> okay, that's my confession. I hope you're not thinking that I'm too weird being this voyeur or anything, but we all know it. When there is a couple in the room and you just know they have the secret sauce, like they might be, you know, across the room for each other, but they always kind of know where the other one is. And you catch them stealing glances and little smiles with one another, or they interact with just fondness and friendliness. Um, and you're thinking, gosh, I want that. What is that? How do I get that? And how did they find that? Right. And so this is why I've done my life work because, um, if we're designed for this, if we crave this, it shouldn't be that elusive, right? And so I've done my life work, research, experience, expertise, so that others too can have that same experience and maybe they get to be that couple in the room, right? Okay, so what do you mean, Dr. Shannon? We're hardwired. What does that mean? Well, I love um, having, I'm a faith-based therapist. Um, I take um, what God created and what God spoke and I blend it together. So we can see in his created um, work, science, and we can hear in his word, 
the Bible, how both of these interchange and they do not contradict. And I have spent a lifetime creating um, opportunities and experiences that are real and um, functional and relevant to you today. And that's why I'm hoping that you get as much out of this webinar as I can give you in that life pursuit. Um, so let's just go to Genesis 1. In the beginning, I mean, I mean, Genesis 1, right? In the beginning, God made man in his image for his pleasure. And um, he said it was good. And he said, no, actually, it's very good. But then really quickly after that, he says, but it's not enough. Life on this planet, just man alone and God was not going to be enough in the way that God designed them to live and to function well. So he created a counterpart, a helpmate, a lover, a best friend. And the first marriage that was created was one flesh into two. And later on, um, that's like the symbolism that two flesh into one. And that's where we get all of that. So what does that mean? Hardwired. Well, let's drop into um, neurobiology. I know you're like going, I just came on to learn about neuro, uh, about romance and passion and intimacy and connection with my partner. And you're going to give me brain science. Yeah, I am because it's fascinating. I hope you think so. And maybe I'm not too much of a geek, but we are neurobiologically hardwired for connection, especially with a romantic partner, meaning when we have that bond, we um, function the best and we become the best versions of ourselves when it is safe and secure. And it's called the attachment system. If you haven't done any research, we've, we are hearing about it a lot more in the common language um, out there. If you have read anything about um, romance and um connection. You've heard of some, something about the attachment system that has been hardwired into our brains to need one another, not in a codependent way, but an interdependent kind of safe and secure, healthy way, right? Because anything that's good can become not so good. So we are hardwired for this connection. And um, let me just take you back that the attachment system was there at your birth. And it was there between a baby and a primary caregiver. And it ensures the emotional and physical survival, the protecting the bond between the primary caretaker and child, and it allowed for care and comfort. So when there was an, an emotional or physical need, the baby was um, hardwired to notify or reach for the primary caretaker, knowing that its survival for care and comfort came from that primary caretaker. And we're hardwired to respond to those um, notifications from our children, right? We move towards those needs. We move towards providing care and comfort. And that co-regulation piece ensures that survival emotionally and physically of the child in their physical development and their emotional development. But what we're seeing, and this is the exciting part, 
have um, the research in romantic attachment and romantic love is that same attachment system doesn't just complete when development completes or doesn't end when the child becomes of age and individuates away from the primary caretaker. It is in place from birth until death. And so at the time that a person fully develops and then transfers their in de, their dependence or interdependence on an, an attachment figure, a romantic attachment figure, this attachment system activates even in that situation. And it serves the same function. So it's the thing that leaves from the primary caretaker and cleaves to our romantic partner. And it serves that same function that it ensures the survival emotionally and physically of each one of those people in that interdependent, interco-regulation, right? So the best thing that I can um, say is that it ensures the survival of the bond between spouses to create the co-regulation of care and comfort. I'm making sure I'm getting your feelings. I don't want to skip anything, even though you're going to get um, a workbook with all the feelings afterward, just to make sure you have them all just to ensure. Um, and it's keeping the love for the necessary emotional and physical needs being given and received. It's that important that there is a protection around that bond that we become um, the attachment system when working correctly in couples creates safety and security. And you're probably thinking, what, what do you mean by safety and security, Dr. Shannon? That I'm physically safe? Well, yeah. Um, so safety, meaning that when I'm in emotional need or even physical need, when I um, emotionally need assurances, need to know I'm not alone, need to know that somebody cares, needs to know that I matter, or that when I am in physical need, I am in pain or physical suffering or sickness, and I have the ability to reach for my partner and that it matters to them. That they become my haven, my safe and soft place to land. They're my home base. I call it the lily pad of culture and care that um, I can reach. And my partner is loving, accepting, available, and responsive to those needs. And when there's those assurances neurobiologically, that co-regulation piece keeps me grounded in my best place. My emotions are settled. My physical being is um, in its best place. So let me give you an example. As a child, during that time of uncertainty, a child will cry out. Like, for example, let, let's take the separation anxiety um, phase of life, right? They didn't like the um, knowledge that they are alone 
or apart from their most important person. And so they would cry out. And then they would be comforted with the primary caretaker moving towards them. And when that reconnection place happens, their emotional system, their physical system is calmed. That's a co-regulation. It's the same thing when we don't feel certain of our partner or we feel not connected or we might feel alone. So we cry out, we reach out so that we are assured and comforted. And so that inner dynamic of care and keeping is what I call the culture of care. So let's take security, for instance. Let's take the the stage of life where we're developing into independent beings, right? We're out playing on a playground and we're having and laughing and having a good time. But every once in a while, we have to look back just to ensure that our primary caretaker is still there, right? And if we see them and we make eye contact and maybe the mom or dad gives a little smile like everything's okay with the world, then they're able to feel secure to go explore their world again and the play resumes. However, if Sometimes they look back and maybe the caretaker's not there, right? The play doesn't resume. The distress signal says, uh-oh, not, not, we're not well and good right now. So they search for, call for, cry for a reconnection point. And when there is, and when the caretaker moves and comforts and provides care, all is well with the world, and they feel that security enough to go play again, right? This is the same system that is demonstrated in romantic partnership. How many of us feel like, oh, if I got my cheerleader in my corner, if I absolutely know that there is somebody in there with me, I have confidence and security and I can go explore my world. I can become the best version of myself. I can go and function on, on all cylinders. And quite contrary, some of those days when, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know about you, but sometimes those arguments happen and we go out into the world and we can't focus. And if it's a long-term pattern, we're in distress and it impacts our sleeping and our eating. This is the same attachment system that when we have that safe place to fall or that knowledge of a secure base that we carry with us no matter where we are then we can function in our best place and that's the intimate connection emotionally mentally spiritually and physically that we're neurobiologically wired for so the safety and security allows for this culture of care that we know we can reach for and our partner is available and accepting and loving to provide us the care and keeping of those um, interdynamics of interdependence. And it matters to one another. So not only is our partner safe and secure for us, we become safe and um, secure for our partner and that interchange of giving and receiving 
is really a healthy bond building and it ensures the safety of that intimacy and that connection point. So security allows each person to have a secure base to go out into the world, not alone, but with assurances. And we become the best versions of ourselves. Those are your feelings, just in case you didn't get it. Hey, Victoria. So if that's what we are created for, and that's where we become our best version of ourselves, and that was the design that we were originally um, wired to have, then what happens? Why is it so elusive? Why do we crave it if we don't have it? Why do we notice the ones that do? Um, and why would you even want this enough to say, I'm going to give of my time today to go and listen to whoever this Dr. Shannon is to give me some tips on how I can move and adjust to get it? Why is it so elusive? Well, there is just like everything in life, all things are in a state of erosion, if not maintained well. So anything that's important requires attention. It requires intentionality. It requires, and I don't want to say work because it's pleasant work most of the time, <laughs> um, but you have to keep a pulse on it. Listen, we live in such a busy, disconnected world. So many distractions, so many things to do. All things are important that sometimes we get lackadaisical. We get a little lazy. Um, we feel like that foundation has been formed. So not necessarily needing of maintenance until it's broken. Um, instead, we'll doing prevention is always better on the front end and not having to remediate a place of disconnect and erosion and brokenness. But that's why, I mean, we have to put just as much oxygen into the us as we do into everything else that's of priority in our life. Just think about it on your calendar, the things that are important get planned. And when they show up on your calendar, they have a more likelihood to actually have that um, completion or that priority. And so a lot of times we just don't know that we need to do it or what we need to do or how we need to do it. Or maybe some of you out there are already in a place of erosion and brokenness and we don't know how to get back. Right. So there are attributes and rhythms of mature love that maintain the safety and security of the attachment. It ensures the development of a deepening of mature love, and it creates intimacy on all the levels I've spoken about. And I'm going to talk to you about what some of those attributes and rhythms can be, and you'll find some very helpful and some that you can incorporate all on your own. And these rhythms are actually predictive of being able to sustain relationship satisfaction over the long run and longevity throughout the lifetime of your marriage. So the first one is this emotional engagement piece, this emotional co-regulation piece. Having worked with couples for 30 years, their number one complaint when they come in 
why are you here? Um, you would think it would be, oh, we can't get on the same page parenting. Or, oh, if, if we didn't have to deal with our in-laws. Or, my gosh, our financial, um, you know, lay of the land is so bleak. We can't, eat. We're, we're always bickering. Or, man, I just want more sex and they don't. Or I, you would think it would be all of these things. Because you hear about the top 10 busters or deal breakers in marriages are along these themes, right? But that's not what they say. They say 99% of the time, we just don't communicate. And I'm thinking, well, then what happened? I mean, at some point you did. At some point you thought that this person just so much hung the moon. You're willing to go to an altar and say, I can't imagine a day. I don't want to be with you live with you, make you happy for the rest of my life. And so there had to be some kind of connection point where you were enjoying some kind of natural rhythms of give and take, give and receive communication. So what happened? So a lot of times in my cut with my couples, we'll go back and we'll kind of map out those um, bumps in the road and, you know, um, not to get down in the weeds quite in this seminar or this webinar, um, they shift you in the communication pattern. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that and um, the B, the conflict management. But let's go to A. The biggest complaint of couples coming for counseling is communication challenges. So there's three levels of communication across the board in every um, significant romantic relationship. Part of it is just life management communication. I mean, a lot of times uh, married couples come in here and say, yeah, I mean, basically it's like, who's doing this chore? Who's running this child? Who's taking care of this project? Oh, and what are the updates? And what are the time schedules? And they say that that's all that's left. And sometimes couples even say, yeah, we don't even communicate that. And it just creates more distress and more chaos. And then we fight about that chaos, too. But couples experience heightened life stressors when not on the same page, resulting in moving through life responsibilities in the urgent, handling things in crisis mode, and ensuring more probability of conflict between each other. So if you think about it, a lot of you might be out there new in your relationship or maybe you've, you're right in the thick of it and you guys are running this small business, right? I mean, you've got these three ankle biters that, you know, have a lot of needs and urgencies and they need to be certain places at certain times and you got your career and their career and, and then you have this asset management, your home, and all the things in it that are always in need of something and attention. And oh, and by the way, those ankle biters like to eat three times a day. And you know, all of those things, a lot of moving parts. I mean, and then you've got the financial budgeting and, you know, um, yes, that inner dynamic is like running a small business, but we don't run our home life like a small business would. We don't have regular business meetings where we sit down and we look at budgeting and we look at open 
um, old business action steps and follow up. And we don't address the new business action steps and we don't differentiate role division around those. And we don't match up calendars and we don't plan for, um, you know, those significant events like actually time away together or <laughs> or uh, vacations or, um, you know, who's doing what when and can we really can we really um, introduce that activity for that child into our schedule? Does it work? I mean, are we um, looking at our finances together, um, looking at our mission statement to make sure that we're on track? Are we actually measuring how effective we're being at this most important part of our life? And a lot of couples don't have these business meetings and they don't take care of business on the prevention end and they are in the remediation end and they run on high volume taking care and addressing um, the needs as they come and they're not communicating well about which one's doing what and so um, just creating um, a space that's planned for where you're touching base and making sure that everyone's on that uh, it's just a small shift because if those are taken care of then that conflict comes down it runs more smoothly we're sure of one another we're um, able to move into our other parts of our lives with a little bit um, more connection that we're on the same page we have each other's back and so making that shift to create that means that you can show up um, for a pizza night and watching Netflix and we don't have to take care of business. Or we can show up on our, our date night and it not be all about the kids. Or we can show up on our getaway retreat and it really be about reconnection and not catching up with all those conversations that we never had. Right. So if we do it along the way and I don't know how you want to do it on a regular basis, but on a regular basis is what I recommend. OK, let's move on to B, conflict management communication. Mm. And this is a lot of times where they land because the communication is solely eroded over time that they get to a place that they can't even navigate well in places of conflict. And it isn't that that couples fight, because if you're saying, oh, we never fight, I'm like going, ah, I'm not so good sure that, because there's gotta be a protest system in every relationship. You're two different people. You might have different gender brains. You might have different personalities. You might have different um, ways of looking at the world based on how you were brought up and how you see yourself and how you see others. I mean, there's always different opinions and perspectives. And, and healthy couples have a way of showing up with these differences and navigating to an us agree upon way of work throughs or problem solving, or um, goal setting, or compromise, or negotiation, right? But when their conflict is so escalated that it prevents any kind of work through or place of reconnection, like I'm not sure of you, I'm protesting because I'm not sure of you, and it doesn't matter to your 
partner. They don't move towards you in a loving, accepting, available, and responsive kind of way. Then that is what erodes intimacy over the course of the longevity of the relationship. It changes the story you tell yourself about your partner. It changes um, your want to in the way that you show up. It changes um, the inability to have problem solving or healing conversations from pains, points of pain in the relationship. And so this conflict management system is the biggest predictor of divorce. What? What? It's not like betrayal, Shannon. It's not like... um, you know, someone, um, you know, not seeing eye to eye on finances or parenting. Nope. It's how couples fight that becomes the biggest eroder of intimacy and the biggest predictor of relationship dissatisfaction and ultimately the biggest predictor of the couples that end in divorce. And that's research by John Gottman, if you've heard of him. Um, So when unhealthy fight cycles activate our self-protection system of fight, flight, or freeze, when we feel in that fight that we have to self-protect and we do those built-in neurobiological ramp-ups, shutdowns, or move-aways, it results in behaviors of either escalation and definitely shutting down. And it means that um, points of pain don't get discussed and healed. And it means that our problems don't get resolved. And it leaves you in a state of insecurity and uncertainty in the relationship. And this erodes that safety and security that I discussed earlier. So this prevents work-throughs of problems and healing of hurts or offenses in the relationships. These shift our want-tos of showing up safe and secure for our partner. And this is the biggest predictor of divorce and can ultimately stop all other intimacy activities. We don't want to show up anymore. We don't want to expose. We don't want to take risks. We don't want to spend time. We don't want to connect because of all of these unhealthy Stories we tell ourselves about our partner that we have to protect ourselves, we have to distance ourselves, we have to build walls around ourselves and insulate ourselves from. Um, The third level of communication is this vulnerable sharing. Listen, I didn't grow up in a home where healthy vulnerability and connecting in a deeper, emotionally engaging way was really role modeled. And so now I crave what healthy couples do that have that secret sauce. Um, And they have this third level of sharing with one another that they can um, expose their greatest fears, insecurities, hopes, dreams, thoughts, perceptions, and it mattered to their partner. And the partner comes in with curiosity and the sharing of that space with one another emotionally and even physically 
I'm going to get to that later, but we're just on emotional engagement right now. But so vulnerability, being able to expose and take risk of our inner thoughts and our inner feelings um, involves risk. And sometimes in that fight cycle, we don't want to take a risk because we fear that our partner is going to not be safe and secure for us. We fear that our partner would not be loving and accepting or not be available or responsive. And so we quit sharing. So vulnerability involves risk of exposure, disclose parts of ourselves others do not know of our inner thoughts, emotions, fears, hopes, and longings. And these are just to name a few. But those couples that have the secret sauce, they've taken care of home management business, they've cleared the space, they handle conflict in a way that brings work throughs and healings, um, and it matters in a safe and secure kind of way are those also couples that are able to deepen their sharing and expose even more thoughts and bits of our people of themselves as we evolve, as we grow, as we mature, as we change and we keep that open dynamic space of bringing our partner along with us on that journey. We are not growing in parallel, we're growing in perpend perpendicular. Okay. So that's emotional engagement. How are we doing on time, guys? And hey, if you have, um, oh, how do we become more creative in lovemaking is always the same. <laughs> I love that. Look at you just being bold out there. I'm going to get to that. That's number four. I promise, Victoria. Thank you for showing up with that. Um, <clears throat> two, shared recreational and leisure partnership. Couples that have that, you know, conflict cycle decrease, that have all the, you know, have tos in life covered, um, and that are desirous to carve in time to renew themselves in fun sharing are the ones that thrive well. This is kind of, and I don't want to be um, gender biased here. I know number one, and the ability for me to talk about vulnerable risk, the guys are going, oh, okay, Dr. Shannon. <laughs> that is so very, very important to a lot of men, but uh, a lot of women. But this too, recreational and leisure partnership becomes extremely important to both, but a lot. And then want to not have uh, always a deep conversation or they want to go and experience something exciting and they want to take you along and they want you to share in the excitement. And sometimes they want to teach you how to do it, too. <laughs> and sometimes they're competitive for the fun of it. And that's OK, too. So those couples that are secure enough in their skin they are intentional with the planning. And it's not just, oh, well, we have our date night. Check the box. Uh, we go to that restaurant. We sit down. We typically order around the same thing. And we sit there. and We talk about the children and the weather. And, you know, oh, yeah, by the way, did you get this done? And, oh, I took care of that. And the plumber's coming on. And, no, 
I'm not talking about that experience. I'm talking about intentional. We're going to be known for this. Our brand is going to be that we are scuba divers or we are rock climbers or we're foodies together or we like to um, experience uh, community experiences or we like to uh, check out every rooftop restaurant. See that I'm in Tampa. Sorry. We have rooftop restaurants and they're really pretty great year round. Um, or we like to, you know, um, exercise together and we set goals together and we champion each other's, you know, growth and improvement. And are we learn a new sport together? Are we learn a new hobby together? I mean, the things that we find that are limitless, but take some thought, it takes some discussion and it takes some planning. And it takes some intentionality. We put just as much effort into that path as we do anything else that's important to us. We don't just fall into, oh, we have a, a little extra time on our calendar. You want to go grab a bite? So we don't get just the reserves or the crumbs and we just think about in, in the passing what we could do with this time. We already know what we like and we already have a joint venture. And we get equally excited about it. Or we're just open to the possibility of trying something new and learning something new together. And we don't mind that we're not great at it yet. We're okay with showing up without being um, an expert or a professional or, or looking dumb. We just try it anyway, right? Because what we have heard in the research that the anticipation, the planning, the discussion and research of these times together, like vacation and what we're going to do there and the, you know, adventures or the um, cultural experience or the food experience or whatever that you guys like doing, talking about it, researching it, planning for it is equally as rewarding as actually going and participating in the activity. And that over time sustains you, that endorphin, excitement, anticipation, cohesive joint experience in the planning and talking reduces the stresses and the impact of the stresses of life. It reduces the cortisol and it counterbalances all the stress impact of why we get up and do what we do day in and day out, right? All right. How are we doing? Three. Shared purpose and meaning activities. For some of you, this is the spiritual intimacy part. For other of you, it might just that we want to contribute to society in some kind of fashion that's impactful, philanthropy, community service, or worship, or prayer. These can be deeply spiritually connecting of doing together something that is greater than ourselves. And um, when we feel like when we come together, we're better together, and we can we are stronger together, and we contribute more together as a cohesive unit that we um, show up at community services together. We 
we as a brand are concerned about the orphans or the foster care system or the homeless or the human trafficking, or we adopt a mission and a purpose together. And we feel and resonate at a deep level that we can make a difference in some kind of area of life, or we can contribute to something bigger than ourselves that we would never be able to do on an individual basis. Maybe it's financial contribution. Maybe it's actually serving on boards together. Maybe it's um, some kind of cause, or maybe it's just that deep, intimate connection of shared values and faith in the way that we practice spiritual practices together, whether that's prayer or attending church or serving in church or the investment that we make in our values to our children or to another people population set. Um, Hi there, Deneen. Thank you for showing up. I appreciate that. Um, so um, when we get to this level of intimate connection, we are kind of outwardly branding the us, representing inward shared beliefs and passions. And we take vested interest in that. It's another level of knowing and connecting and sharing. All right, moving on because we are in our home stretch, guys. Thank you guys for bearing with me as much as you can. So then there's the physical affection practices, the outward expression of that inner romantic desire. And there's two kinds of parts to this because um, there is just that physical intimacy and that involves a long continuum. Those couples that reach for each other for physical connection and embrace can do it in a sexual way and a non-sexual way. Those that have the natural rhythms, whether that is, you know, we have to come together to um, greet one another or before exiting from one another, the bookends of our day, where we hold one another and we cuddle, we hold hands, or we, um, it's like, I can't pass you if you're sitting on the couch without me putting a hand on your shoulder as I pass, or I just kind of glaze it across your head because I see you, I know you, I want you to know I'm there and it matters to me. And I demonstrate that in a physical kind of um, connection kind of point, right? And it's a long continuum. If we then dip into, this is very helpful. Thank you. Oh, we host military marriage retreats, all expenses paid for three days in Oceanside Harbor of a four-star resort. Oh, wow. Good for you guys. Congratulations on that. Thank you for being a part of the cause. Um, so Reaching for one another for care, comfort, and connection are the basic building blocks to romantic, passionate, sexual intimacy. It's the overflow. It's the outward expression of something that's already inwardly done. And yes, we can get into a really lazy place and we can do the go to A plus B equals C formula over and over again. 
And um, sometimes it's just because we've gotten lazy or indifferent, or maybe we're not showing up being present in the moment. We're really not engaging in the other aspects so that it's an overflow. Because a lot of people say, well, uh, there are a lot of sexual dysfunction in couples. And this webinar is not about going into those dysfunctions, but there's reasons behind them organically and inorganically. Sometimes it's physiological, but sometimes it really is the temperature of the relationship or this inability to have open, frank discussions about what is um, arousing to one another and what is pleasing to one another. And um, maybe it's that emotional risk taking and vulnerability to actually have discussions outside the bedroom or outside of the lovemaking opportunity so that um, you can talk about what worked, that what didn't work, what you would like to try and what you wouldn't want to try. So that in the moment, it's just not, we move through the vanilla or the mediocrity. Um, and that takes some risk taking. Sometimes these con um, conversations are not comfortable. For couples dependent upon how you know sexual um kind of conversation or communication or um our education was handled in family of origin or how it has maybe been handled um in your current relationship or previous relationships and sometimes all of those things hinder open expression with feeling comfortable or maybe trying not to heart, hurt our partner or not uh, to offend our partner. But those are those why all those other intimacy pieces have to come together so that we are feeling more safe. We are feeling more secure. We are willing to do vulnerable risk taking in the communication aspect of it. And what I can say for just some basics, a woman's biggest sex organ is her brain. Being able to turn off all of those mental distractions, um, feeling emotionally safe so that she can drop into her arousal system that usually a lot of times is um, not necessarily spontaneous arousal, but a responsive arousal to her partner. Um, and the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and about our partner, especially in our most intimate, exposed, physical component of our relationship. So sometimes uh, mapping that cycle, understanding the um, stories, having open, honest, safe and secure conversations, not necessarily in the moment, but sometimes in the moment, are really helpful ways of navigating this in a more care and comfort kind of way. So reaching for one another for care, comfort, and connection are the basic building blocks to romantic, passionate sexual intimacy. So those are the four areas that when you build protection around, when we realize that it really is an intentional effort to continue putting oxygen on your um, relationship so that you are growing together, not apart, and that you are carrying the thought and um, the growth of one another along the way. These are the four areas that I would really suggest that you hit on. And I didn't even talk about community connection. Um, that's for a different webinar. But a lot of times couples thrive well when they um, have a tribe built.
of uh, other people that know and care. But we'll talk about that at a different time. So this is the how-to, guys. And a lot of you can take this information and just run with it. Good for you for showing up and that you desire because that's half the battle and you can be more intentional and you can start having these conversations with um, your partner so that you guys can navigate the how to's, right? But if some of you are out there and you don't know if you can incorporate these on your own, you really don't know the first thing about how to de-escalate your fight cycle or how to navigate in a safe and secure kind of way when there's two sides of every pancake in arguments, or how to find a um, coming back together after long-term history of disagreements or betrayal wounds or pain points in the relationship, or navigating these other kind of more intimate kind of um, conversations about physical intimacy and sexual. If these are the how-tos aren't enough, and you're going to need help navigating these, I'm here for you. And so I have a lot of um, things that might be a good next step for you. Listen, at some point in time, everyone needs a little bumper guards. Everyone needs um, to have someone that can steer you in the right way. And why would you not in your most intimate, um, most important relationship, the biggest relational investment of your life, why would you not do that? So if you can take these tips and just incorporate them on the, on your own, go for it. But if you need someone to coach and come alongside and partner, I'm here for you. And here's what I have to offer for you. A few things. Um, first and foremost, I would love just to jump on a free 30-minute phone consultation with you. Um, we can talk about your unique situation. We can navigate um, how and the next steps that could be in place. Carly dropped that consultation um, link for you to schedule right away. Listen, there is over 300 of you guys signed up for this webinar. I'm so excited. So if you're thinking about getting in on this um, phone consultation, you need to sign up as quickly as possible because it fills up really quick. Um, But If you want to get on for your unique discussion, private, confidential, it's free of charge, I'm here for you. And we can navigate that conversation um, just between the two of us and not on this, our three of us and not on this public forum. So there's the consultation link. Awesome, Victoria. Thank you very much. Um, If you want to... um, Go to that link, then um, you can schedule that right away. Um, And I also have other things that you can continue following me on because I love giving my life pursuit, my life passion out. I have a podcast that um, drops weekly on Tuesdays, um, Love Leading with Dr. Shannon. Um, You can find it on all podcast um, formats. And I have um, another... um, thing that's coming up at the end of May, 1st of June, my first book, and it's called Naked and Exposed, Using the Intimacy for Life um, Method in Your Marriage, Learning How to Love Well. 
That being said, um, that will go into a lot more depths on all of these categories. It will expound it in a greater kind of way, and it will even, even have additional resources and assessments and um, all kinds of things. And it, Carly, if you'll drop that link to the website so they can read more about how what to expect from that book and they can keep in contact with us so that they'll know when it comes out and it's available. All right, guys, anybody have questions out there that want to, um, you know, drop in the chat? I'm here for you. We have a few extra minutes. I hope I honored your time. I hope that you um, can um, benefit from this. And it has been my joy and my honor to be with you today. Dr. Shannon Roberts for the NMC for Life Method um, webinar. And Carly, if you'll just go ahead and also drop my email, just in case someone doesn't find the consultation time or they prefer the comfort level of just a, an additional email reach out, let me put that as available to them as well. Okay. Awesome. All right, guys, take care. There's going to be other um, NFC for Life um, webinars coming up in the near future. So if you feel like you might need uh, this one more time, two more times, we're available for you. If you have friends and family you want to pass this on to and you want them to to get the same information, just know that there is another one coming up. And Carly, if you'll put down the link for them to register for the next one in advance, that's awesome. All right, guys, thank you very much. It's been a joy to be with you today. Take care, and hopefully I'll be hearing and talking with you or uh, knowing you're out there in my community learning how to love well. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, Love Leaders. Be sure to check out all our links in the show notes and visit me at shannonrobertscounseling.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any others. Until next time, go lead in loving well.